What's up, everybody? My name is Chris Flade, alongside my partner, Anthony DiPremio, and this is the first-ever Second Row Back podcast presented by Wildcard Sports. we got a lot of sports to talk about today, and my boy Anthony's going to get you up to speed. So today we've got a lot of stuff going down in the NFL. We're going to break down uh, Jason Witten signing with the Dallas Cowboys coming out of retirement. Uh, we'll talk about Alex Collins and uh, what his situation means for the Ravens. Uh, we've got some combine stuff to talk about. Uh, jumping over to the NBA, we'll talk about the Celtics and uh, how they're doing. We'll talk about the Lakers, and uh, we'll also talk about uh, Pau Gasol, so stay tuned. Jumping right back in, uh, we're going to start with uh, NFL. Jason Witten announces Thursday uh, that he will be leaving ESPN's Monday Night Football team and rejoining the Dallas Cowboys. They signed him to a one-year, uh, $3.5 million deal, according to ESPN. Uh, Jason Witten, an 11-time Pro Bowler, 1,152 career receptions. He's got multiple Dallas Cowboys franchise records what do you think about that Chris um I really like it I like how Jason Witten is really not going to stand by um on the sidelines and watch his Cowboys really get kind of like roasted <laughs> like they got they got demolished throughout the entire season saying that they weren't good enough and out first round and when they did come up big in that win against Seattle I really think that put a spark back into Jason Witten because he is probably one of the best competitors in this game, and uh, I really th- he's gonna be a force to be reckoned with. I still feel like yeah, I Coming, agree. Even in his old age, just that veteran leadership is really gonna I feel like putting Dallas over the hump. I agree. I I mean he was announcing his retirement less than a year ago. Uh, he's gonna enter his 16th season at the age of 37. But I think uh, when he saw the weapons that the Cowboys have, I mean, he he was he was really looking looking to put them over the edge here. Uh, the Cowboys are, were eight points away from their first NFC Championship game uh, since 1995, back when they had Troy Aikman and Michael Irvin and Deion Sanders. You know, he wanted to win in Dallas. That was what he wanted to do his whole career, and now he sees his opportunity uh, with with Dak Prescott and. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott and Amari Cooper, that offense is rejuvenated from when he played just a couple years ago. And now, uh, after a year of retirement, I think he sees his opportunity to to win in Dallas. Yeah, and I think it also would free up a lot of wide receivers, too. Just having Witten on the line, um, 
He is also a pretty good blocking tight end as well, so that's going to add to the fact that um, Zeke's going to be have um, a little more running room next year. Uh, one of his notable stats is 68 TDs. Um, Tony Romo threw to him a lot. He's a reliable receiver, and I think that's going to put take a lot of pressure off of Dak Prescott knowing he has that kind of like safety valve just over the middle or kind of like towards the sideline that Jason Witten is a big uh, like six footer so yeah he's I mean he's a big target and big dude and uh I think that I agree I think he takes a lot of pressure off of Dak Prescott and and he'll look to uh really be that last piece that 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 offense needs to put them over the edge that's what Jerry Jones is thinking so next we have Robert Kraft, speaking of uh, owners in the NFL. Uh, earlier this week, he pleaded not guilty to the prostitution charges brought on him. Um, I I really I know that the media has covered this pretty well, but really the question I want to ask is, does this Kraft scandal take anything away from the Patriots' Super Bowl win? No, nothing at all. I think it's off-the-field drama that they really um, – have been dealing with like throughout their entire career as like Patriots, I like when I say them, I mean Tom Brady and Belichick, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, I think this only motivates the Patriots, and they're gonna be coming out f- swinging next year, right? Especially if this craft thing goes on for a long time and they drag it out. It's gonna it's gonna motivate everybody on that roster, yeah. Because uh, Robert Kraft, it means he means a lot to that organization and what he's done for not only the Patriots but Massachusetts in general. Mm-hmm. So, and it, well, I think that uh, Robert Kraft, he's one of the more recognizable owners. Um, when you think of NFL owners, the real recognizable names that everybody knows, it's it's really Robert Kraft and and Jerry Jones. And uh, while it is an embarrassment to him, his family, and the organization, it certainly is not uh, football-related. I don't think it takes anything away from their Super Bowl win. No, it shouldn't. And if it does, then people are just – they're haters. (laughs) The Patriots, they – it's just unbelievable how people can just go go off on the Patriots for something completely irrelevant – so certainly honestly, not football related. Yes, no, I know. It's like it's unbelievable. All right. So moving Prosti- on. Prostitution is bad, but you know <laughs> It's not football it's related. Not football it's not related. a football issue is, yes. is I think the point we're trying to make. So moving on to uh Alex Collins. He was recently waived by the Ravens following an arrest uh after a car crash early yesterday morning. Um uh, what does this mean for the Ravens? Um, I don't think it really puts a damper on the offense, so to say, because Gus Edwards came out and um he really he really shined at the end of the season, yeah, like really yeah. took most of the carries from Alex Collins anyway. Right. So he, he had seven hundred eighteen yards and two touchdowns on just one hundred and thirty seven attempts. What, yeah, that's so. what I'm saying. Um, I think the Ravens, they'll definitely bounce back from this. It's it, He's certainly a good athlete and a good piece to that team, but uh, I don't think that on a on a defensive team who is really going to get that offense the ball, uh, I don't think that Alex Collins makes that much of a difference, ex- especially when you're replacing him with a guy like Gus Edwards. Yeah. So uh, we'll move on to Antonio Brown and his situation. 
um, Steelers GM Kevin Colbert. He came out and he said uh, early this week that he hasn't ruled out any team in an Antonio Brown uh, trade. We've got a quote from him. He said, ideally, you want to trade him to someone you'll never play. But you can't do that because if you're good enough to get to the Super Bowl, you have to play him anyway. The less you would play him, the better. But if a team comes through with the best compensation, we have to balance that out. So really what I think uh, the Steelers are going to look to do is they're going to trade him to really whoever makes the best offer. But the thing to watch out for is no one's going to make an offer for Brown unless they're willing to sign him to a long-term extension. That is true. A lot of, lot of moving pieces in that Antonio Brown trade, and I don't really think that teams want to deal with that right now. Right. Uh, they don't want to find themselves in a Le'Veon Bell situation yes. where he has one year left on his contract, and if they don't offer him an extension, he might not even play for your team. So uh, with that being said, who do you think are uh, the the teams that might make a play for him? Uh, well, my pick right now, um, the only pick I really see – um, making really a play for Antonio Brown is the 49ers, um, which I think the 49ers is a really good landing spot for him because you have on one side Marquise Goodwin, um, who is a very, very talented wide receiver and a quarterback in Jimmy Garoppolo coming off of an ACL tear. Um, he also played under Brady, won a couple Super Bowls as a backup, so he has a lot of experience and he can throw a pretty good ball. So, and you have Jarek McKinnon. I almost forgot about him. He's coming off of his ACL um, tear, too. A lot of injuries out there. But this 49ers team, if landed Brown, is going to be a force to reckon with in the um, NFC. I agree. I think that the 49ers certainly make a play at Antonio Brown. I I think that they're going to look to put those uh, young guys coming off injury in a position to be successful. Um, I've got got two teams that I think could make a play. I know that the Patriots... uh, uh, they might be um, a contender to push their chips into the middle and get a, a real good wide receiver. They they have the assets. They've got a lot of extra draft picks this season, and uh, they're they'll look to make a play. I think it's it's they're gonna have to make a better offer than anyone else if they're gonna have the Steelers trade trade Antonio Brown to the Patriots. But uh, the the real uh, the team that I really think is going to make the biggest play at Antonio Brown, and this is where I believe he'll probably end up, is the uh, Green Bay Packers. They have a ton of extra draft picks. They've got an extra first round, uh, I believe an extra fourth and seventh round. Um, They've got uh, Aaron Rodgers, uh, who's... If you pair Aaron Rodgers up with an elite receiver, and we've seen it with Devontae Adams, uh, he, he really is being put into a position of success and with all the cap room that the Packers have to be able to sign Antonio Brown to that long-term extension I think it's a no-brainer you could be right but Antonio Brown is also a wild card so we really can't know until it's actually happening so moving on yesterday was the first day of the NFL scouting combine Um, we've got running backs and offensive linemen doing their uh, drills we had the best 40 time of the day by Oklahoma State running back Justice Hill with 4.4 seconds. Wow. 
Uh, Eric McCoy of Texas A&M led offensive lineman with a 4.89. So certainly uh, a lot of, you know, good 40 times there uh, through the running backs and offensive linemen. But the guy that I think really improved his draft stock the most uh, yesterday was Washington State lineman Andre Dillard. He uh, was pro- he's projected to go in the later part of the first round. But he may have increased his stock, posting great mobility numbers with a 4.96 40-yard dash, a 4.4-second 20-yard shuttle, and uh, my favorite, which is the 7.44 uh, three-cone drill. He he put up some great numbers at the combine, and I think that a a couple of uh, earlier round teams, earlier first-round teams, will look to make a play at him now. I mean, yeah, with a time like that, you really can't beat that. Um, teams are definitely going to be looking at, like, who's the fastest guy. And, like, they'll just, like, take that and compare that to what they need. Yeah, I mean, with an offensive lineman with that kind of mobility, uh, you can run him on poles, and, and he's really just an asset to the team. Yeah, offensive linemen are really they're, – they're in right now, <laughs> especially for, like, uh, protection – and run blocking, mostly run blocking, and a well, speed tight end that can get, like, not tight end, um, like tackle or, like, mm-hmm. guard that can really get a nice jump on, like, pulls and um, screens. That's really what you need right now. And I think, I think that uh, the reason I think that his draft stock went up so much is that in today's day with all these mobile quarterbacks, it's, it's so much more important to have mobile offensive linemen because the pocket is going to shift with that mobile quarterback. And if an offensive lineman can get out in the flat with that quarterback when he's, you know, breaking out of the pocket, it's really an asset. So moving right into the NBA, um, the Celtics have been struggling since the All-Star break. They've lost four straight games to Milwaukee, Chicago, Toronto, and Portland. Um Kyrie Irving has averaged 24.5 points a game in that four-game stretch, but the team itself is only averaging 100 points per game, down from their season average of 122. Uh, what's going on, Chris? Um, well, right now, what I think it is, and really I'm going to say this and hit this home, it's Kyrie not being a leader and not showing up to work every single day and creating – a team chemistry where it's okay to share the ball because <laughs> some of the stuff he's said and done through the past, like, stretch, um, these uh, stretch of games, it's it's unbelievable how he can, like, justify that it's the whole team when really it's it's on him. I, he, I think that he's he's the leader in that locker room, the clear-cut leader. He's got to be. And – with all the distractions going on um, between free agency and uh, Kyrie making comments like they'll be fine because he's there, cocky comments like that, I think that it just sets the tone in the locker room uh, that really isn't good for that team. Yeah, and what I think it is that they have always been a team that has always kept to themselves and have always like had quiet confidence, you know? Um, the Celtics were never a group of guys who really caught the eye or attention of America until we went on these phenomenal playoff runs with, like, 
no-name guys. Like, Terry Rozier, really, he was known in Boston, but he never really showed up until last year's playoffs right. when and, and, uh, Kyrie was sitting out. Right, and it, it's the young guys, and, and along with Gordon Hayward, I'm going to pair these wings, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Gordon Hayward. This whole season, they've been shooting just a combined 48, uh, 44.8%, and Terry Rozier... Uh, he's simply been terrible. He's been shooting 37.7% this season. He's he's much less confident with with Kyrie on the floor. Um, he just hasn't been able to get into that rhythm that we saw him in uh, last playoffs. But the big thing is what you were saying, um, their identity, the, the, the Celtics' identity. They've kind of strayed from it this year, especially in my eyes defensively. Um, the Celtics... Uh, their their intensity on defense has been down from last year. Aside from Smart and Horford, uh, the team lacks the, the defensive identity and pride that they had a season ago. Um, I think a big thing is Aaron Baines out with that foot injury. They really miss him. Um, him and Horford were probably two of the best defensive front court players paired up in the league and and with Baines out they really miss that so so with that being said where do you see the Celtics team finishing in the playoffs I see them finishing third um right behind Milwaukee at first and Toronto at second and and how do you think that the Eastern Conference players uh, playoffs are gonna shape up uh, you know as they move forward like who do you see coming out of the east I mean we'll see um Philly is a dark horse I think to win and go to um, the Easter Conference Finals. Obviously, the two big guys, Milwaukee and Toronto, um, the Celtics. I'm not counting them out. I mean, let's see it, Kyrie. I yeah. mean, he's he's saying a lot of stuff. How like nobody still can beat us in seven, but you're on a four-game losing streak right now. So right. something's got to change, or you guys are out first round. I think. Right. I I mean I see. Four major teams coming out of the East, uh, the Bucks, the Raptors, the Philadelphia 76ers, and the Celtics, like you said. Um, those are the four teams with the best chance. I'm going to eliminate – well, I was going to eliminate the Bucks, But with the recent signing or, or plans to sign Pau Gasol, it gives them more of the veteran leadership. And we'll get to that later. But Mike Budenholzer – while he may be a coach of the year candidate, and he's a great coach, he's really turned Milwaukee around from a season ago. Um, he won't be able to outscheme Brad Stevens in a seven-game series. Brad, Brad Stevens is an unbelievable coach, and he's easily the best coach in the Eastern Conference. I think that's consensus Milwaukee, by now. Milwaukee has the players, bro. I agree. I agree. Um, I think that where M- Milwaukee lacks is their veteran leadership and championship experience, and. Like I said, Pau Gasol may give that to them, but we'll see. He could. Um, the real threats to the Celtics, I think, are the 76ers, if they can get it together and really m- mesh well by the time the playoffs come around. I think that they have the talent, just pure talent, to beat the Celtics. But the Toronto Raptors, I mean, their veteran core, their coaching, they just, they're, they're scaring Everybody out in the Eastern Conference, I, I, with their recent acquisition of Marcus All, I think that they're definitely the favorite to come out of the East. 
Kyle Lowry is going to be a force to be reckoned with in these playoffs as well. Um, I think DeMar really kind of brought him down. I hate to say it because those two were unbelievable together for many years, but I think it was DeRozan that really hurt the team come playoff time. Right. So now that Kawhi is there, he's won a championship, he knows what he has to do in the playoffs to advance mm-hmm. and not only advance to win a championship, like I just said. Um, and Kawhi Leonard and, and Danny Green coming in from the Spurs, they have championship experience. That's one, Yep. Kyle Lowry is, like you said, he's having his lights out best season as a Raptor this year. And I think that it's because he, while he may not be a pure scoring point guard, he still needs the ball in his hands to really affect the game. And, I mean, he's having career-high numbers and assists. He's he's having his best season. He's sharing the ball more. Right. And right. that's what they need out of him. And Kawhi Leonard is, you know, better at being a superstar and affecting the game off the ball than DeMar DeRozan is, was in Toronto, and I think that's the real difference for them. So... Let's get into the MVP race. Who's your front runner right now? Um, I have Yanis. Yanis is having a really good season. Um, his best out of his whole NBA career right now. And um coming up behind him close second, probably James Harden. James Harden's really do having another MVP type of year. Um it's going to be a close, probably down to the wire. But um I think Yanis uh, means more to his team than Harden does, and I think he edges him out in the race. Right, right. And while I agree 100%, Giannis and Harden are the two front runners. Giannis, uh, his best uh, points per game averaging in his career, he's he's adding 12.6 rebounds, 1.5 blocks, and James Harden leading the league in points, 36.6, just ridiculous, 7.7 assists, and uh, 2.2 steals a game is also very valuable for that Rockets team, but Sleeper, who has recently inserted himself into the MVP conversation, has to be Paul George. He's averaging 28.6 points, 8 rebounds, uh, 4.3 steals, and two, uh, 4.3 assists, and 2.3 steals. Um, it's easily his best stat line since his injury. Um, and he's really turned the thunder around from a season ago. Uh, they they have playoff potential. Um to go far in the playoffs because of him yeah. this year. He's looking like the Paul George of old when he was on um, the Pacers mm-hmm. um, before he broke his leg. And I'm glad to see it because he's a really good player. And um, he deserves it. If he wins, then that would be that would be unbelievable. Especially right. with all the guys that he's like competing against. Mm-hmm. I don't think he is, but it is a it is a really good pick. Right, yeah. I think that he's really just... He was under the radar at the beginning of the season. He's just pushed himself into that conversation, uh, much like Isaiah Do- Thomas did a few years ago in Boston. Yep. And and just the way that he's improving that team is just another level. I think that his value to the Thunder may be... Skyrockets. Exactly. It's, it's He's more valuable right now, I feel like, than Russell Westbrook. We saw what he did in the playoffs last yep. year. I mean, all of their playoff wins, I think you could directly contribute to him. Uh, I've never been a huge fan of Russell Westbrook in terms of winning playoff games, and, and I think no, that he, he he's puts a up great player. He puts up great stats, but the team play 
that Paul George can bring to the table. Stats, stats doesn't win game. Stat doesn't win games. Right, right. And I think that Paul George just makes a huge yes. difference for them. He's a team player. Russell Westbrook, and that's why the Thunder won't win a championship. But now they have a chance with a guy like Paul George. Right. So, jumping out west, uh, the Lakers, they're sitting outside of the playoffs looking in. Um, they're going to look to make that big playoff push. LeBron said after the All-Star game that he was turning it on, going into playoff mode. But the criticisms around the league, uh, his effort on defense and on rebounds, boxing players out, it just hasn't been there, especially uh, it's been magnified since he said that. I have seen plenty of seasons where LeBron James looks down and out. I'm not counting out this dude ever. He is going to come out swinging these next couple of games, and I think he just gets just barely. It's going to take everything. But knowing and watching LeBron James for so long, I just know he's no doubt in my mind they're going to make the playoffs. So even with all these criticisms, though, I still like I still like really can't I. I just can't. I can't eliminate them just because I know what he is capable of. And he doesn't have that bad of a team around him. Lonzo's coming around. Uh, Hart is a wonderful shooter. And you have a veteran presence um, with John Rondo. A huge asset to any team, I feel like, in the playoffs. Not so much regular season, (laughs) but... Playoffs, definitely, I want Rondo at point. So, I wrote a blog uh, about a week and a half ago about the the Western Conference playoffs and how they were going to shape up. And I had the Lakers at an eight seed. Um, fair. Since, <laughs> and the reason I fair. did that is because I thought that there's no way a LeBron-led team doesn't make the playoffs. Even yeah. with an eighth seed. I think even being yeah. out west, I think that they can sneak in. But they can do damage at the eighth seed. I've recently changed my mind. Oh, all right. I mean, <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> but I think that the Lakers didn't get their superstar to pair with LeBron after he signed in the summer. They missed out on Anthony Davis at the dead- deadline. And with Dell Demps being fired from the Pelicans, um, I think that they believe that they can get Davis in the summer with the same package that they offered at the trade deadline. I mean, he could, but there's still a season ahead. And I think that's the, the mindset LeBron James is going to come and give his team. We're still in this. We have a shot just like any other team. And if we all come together right now, because I, you know that whole Anthony Davis really broke apart that locker room. It killed the whole vibe. Right, and but and it he really needs to bring the reins back in and keep them on the path of playoffs. That's all they have to be thinking about right now. Nothing else. Right. So, I I. It's tough he for me to it. say, but LeBron he brought a worse team to the NBA Finals. And yes. Sure, he was coming out of the East, but he brought a team with Kevin Love, Trif- Tristan Thompson, and J.R. Smith as his core and made it to the NBA Finals and beat a Boston team who everyone well thought everyone thought was going to the Finals Game after Game 7 they... in the Garden. Exactly. I and thought no doubt. But and LeBron James 
come up clutch again. That was less than a year ago. So I don't want to hear anything about his age, but I think that it's just his mentality right now. I think right now, he believes he's going to he get can, a superstar yeah. in the summer, and he's not going all in on this, this season. Dude, yeah, this dude can still play. I also I disagree with that <laughs> completely. I I don't think I don't think just the look. You media. I'm, I'm lost of words of what you just said. The media LeBron is James is one of the of greatest competitors in the game today in any game. But you I want to say you can't. I know. I I know. I can't. I can't deny that he's not like. It's, obviously, it's not looking good for the Lakers. Social media has blown but him you apart can't this week. Let. Everyone outside of that that's, dictate that's how your season's gonna go. And LeBron James has dealt with this in the past, and I just believe he's gonna just come. I could be wrong. I could be flat out wrong. The Lakers missed the playoffs. Oh well. But in my heart of hearts, bro, I've seen him do it. <laughs> no, I, know I agree, <laughs> and that's why I had them in my. I can't count my, them out <laughs> in my top eight yep. a week and a half ago. But with what I've seen and. And social media certainly has put that in my mind, but I'm buying into it. I just I don't see the effort right. from him. I guess we'll see. We'll see. So moving on, uh, the Spurs waived Pau Gasol or bought him out uh, earlier yesterday, and Woj reported um, he's going to be playoff eligible. Okay, just in time, yep. he's going to be playoff eligible, and it came out. Just after the report that the Spurs and him had agreed to a buyout, that he plans to sign with Milwaukee. Um, I think that this changes the East quite a bit. And I think that this Milwaukee team is going to get the veteran leadership and championship experience that they lack. So uh, I guess my question to you would be, how much does this shake up the East? And if so... Who's coming out after this trade like or we, after this yeah, signing? Like we said before, um, Milwaukee is a force to be reckoned with even without Paul Gasol. And um, just by having him now, it is, um, it's actually unbelievable that they landed a superstar like Paul Gasol. Even in his old age, he's still such an asset to any team, right. especially on this playoff run because he's done it before. And like I said, that championship experience, I mean, it's it's integral to what the Bucks are trying to do. They have Bledsoe. They have Brooke Lopez, two guys that have been in the league forever and that have been fantastic for them this year. But putting in a guy that's been there and won a championship, uh, multiple, I, I think that that's exactly what the Bucks need right now. It's their missing piece, you know? So I think that... It certainly improves their odds at coming out of the East over Boston and uh, Toronto and even Philadelphia, who may have, you know, put up a fight against them before. These this. are hard teams to beat, though. I feel like the Eastern Conference has become the Western Conference of last year. It's uh, going to be a battle toward to the end, even though obviously the Warriors. You just you had a feeling that they were going to come out every time. Anyone can West, come out of the East this year, and that's, the, out of the East. that's why I think the Eastern Conference playoffs are going to be some of the best that they've had. So, our last topic today, we have to talk about Bryce Harper. Yep. Huge, huge deal. Signing with the Phillies, $330 million, 13 years, uh, including a $20 million signing bonus. No opt-outs. Uh, what does this do for the Philadelphia Phillies? 
Um, the Phillies were a decent team already. This amplifies them. They are actually jumped from, I don't know, God knows where. I think like bottom of the barrel to like number six, and like teams uh, most likely to win the World Series this year, like right behind like teams like Boston and New York. So, um, he's gonna be Philly for life too. That's a thirteen-year deal. So he is all in with no opt-outs. He's all in on Philly. Right. And I well, I agree. I think that this pushes them right into a contender, which they haven't been. I mean, in they years, showed some since, promise last year, but it's like, I think twenty ten. This is the I first believe, time that I believe I think, they won it in twenty ten. Right. Like, fact and, check and, me if I'm wrong, but I think it was around there. In the last let's say couple years, this propels it them not from, good the from a mediocre team. And like I said, they showed promise last year. Excuse me, but this pushes them right into championship contention, don't yep, you think? It does. Um, they're they're the bats are going to be swinging this year. Let me tell you that it's going to be unreal to see what the Philadelphia Phillies have. And I really hope this isn't a bust because he's so young, and this team is. It's it's also the the whole team is young. And just by adding a young superstar like Bryce Harper, it just amplifies that times 10. Right. I agree. I think that uh, it's a huge signing, and it certainly uh, puts Philly into a bright future signing him for 13 years. I mean. What, did we already mention it? $330 million? $330 million. $20 million guaranteed. <laughs> the biggest sports contract in history. Yep. Uh, it, it, history of baseball. Yeah, I just I I think that it's kind of insane. It is. It's unbelievable how how much money. I mean, but he has been such an asset to the Nats for right. so long. Right. I mean, and you he is really money. yes, he has proven himself worthy of that money. He is an unbelievable talent, and I can't believe the Phillies actually like landed this dude. Right. I thought he was going. I think to the Giants. I really thought he was going to go to the Giants. Same with Manny Machado. Machado went to the Padres for a decent chunk of change. Right, and and someone had to miss out on the both of them. I yep. mean, it, it it was just that's it, what a really I think signing. forced Philly to uh, ramp up their expectations and push for Harper after that. Right, and and the thing is, is the the Harper signing, it pushes Philly into contention, while the Machado signing. I mean, they're going to need to build around him. Yeah, the Padres, they don't go anywhere this year. Uh, even with a superstar, superstar like um, Manny Machado, uh, it's going to take a decent, uh, not a decent, but like a couple more key players right. to really put them even in playoff contention. Yeah, it'll take some It's going to take a, a couple of years before the Padres um, really get going. Right. All right. Well, that's our show. Uh, thanks for sticking around for the first yep. ever Second Row Back podcast presented by Wild Card Sports. Uh, we'll have a link on our website. Make sure we send in all of our questions uh, for our next podcast. We'll be answering questions, so uh, make sure you get those questions in. Also, if you want us to talk about anything, um, I'll hit us up on Twitter, and um, we'll you know you could hear um, maybe your team or um, something big around the the leagues that um, you want to hear us talk about and report on and give our stance on it, um, just put us up on our Twitter. Yeah, and follow us uh, at WildcardSM on Twitter and at 
second row back on Twitter. All right. See you later, guys.